0: We're gonna continue on our kind of God breathed series on worship. We're still in our actually our long series of community to family, which I feel like it's kind of culminating May 5th. We're going somewhere as a family, amen. And we were just, you know, in an elders meeting a few weeks ago and talking about worship and and then the Lord laid this on Mike's heart, like, I feel like we need to focus on worship and So we kind of find ourselves in this Holy Spirit led, you know, we're we're being led into concentrating on what is worship and and Mike did such a great job last week of why we worship and we ended with a little bit of how, like what are some of the practicals? How, How do we enter into this place? And I'm sure you guys have awesome testimonies as well and awesome things that you do that take you into the presence. But today, we're going to focus on where we worship, okay? So we worship, and there are reasons. He's glorious. He's great. He's brought us in past the veil. But when we worship, where are we worshiping? And the Bible is very clear about this, and I'm excited To focus on this. We are actually going to set our minds on those things that are above. We're really going to do it this morning. You know, we say that a lot, but we're really going to go there. We're going to look at the scriptures of the saints before the throne and the elders and the angels and the four living creatures. And oh, and it's such a gift, the revelation that we get to carry in this place. It's such a gift. I was just thanking the Lord this week. Thank you communicating this to Daniel and to John and to Ezekiel and to Isaiah thank you that we know this and that we can set our minds on the truth of what worship is and like Mike said from that place enter into the warfare that the Lord has called us to enter into amen all right so we're going to pick up where we left off last week Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 through 23. I'm just going to read this. Such a precious passage. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. I'm just going to read that again. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. And let's do this with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Oh, there's power in those words. I love this reality Now, Hebrews speaks very clearly to this reality that there's been a way made available through Jesus' blood. It was impossible for us before to enter the most holy place, to enter the sanctuary above. Moses got taken up and a replica was made and Mike took us through that last week. And there was an outer court, and there was an inner court, and there was a holy of holies. And only one man, once a year, got to go behind that veil. You know what this is telling you? You get to go behind that veil anytime you desire. Anytime you want. Because of his blood. Because of his sacrifice. He was the real veil. And he was torn and he was bruised, and he was crushed, and because of his sacrifice, you get to enter through the veil of Christ Jesus into the most holy place. Not only is he, thank you, Anna. It is so good, not my preaching, but this reality is so good. He's like, oh man, he's already shouting at us. I don't know if I can take this. I I woke up kinda late, No, okay, I'm here, all right. He's shouting. We enter through his flesh. And not only do we enter, he's waiting there for us in the presence of God. The great high priest, the one who ever lives to intercede, the one who will never die and his priesthood will have no end because he has the power of an indestructible life. And he sustains us before the presence of God. His intercession continues to make a way. He made a life-giving way. And it's a life-giving way because he's alive behind the veil. Never mind, there is no veil. (laughs) He's passed through. Oh, this is a glorious reality. And how are we supposed to come? We're supposed to come with boldness. How are we supposed to come? Now, this isn't a brash boldness to where you like, through the veil and this is my house this is a humble confidence that we come before the lord with with humility and reverence but confidence one that he's made a way two that he desires us right with him face to face he desires us there guys he paid a high price for us to be there he sent his best he sent his son. And the sacrifice of his son, oh, made a way to come into the most holy place. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It tells us that let us therefore come boldly, we'll find it in a second, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. To help in time of need let us therefore come what boldly before where the throne of grace there's a throne of grace in the most holy of holies there's a throne of grace and from that throne of grace there's a man on that throne there's a person on that throne there's the father and there's the son and they are ready to give mercy they're ready to be gracious to their people Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Okay, so we're coming to the most holy place and we're coming and there's a throne of grace. And now there's some more information. We come to Mount Zion. We come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Just leave that scripture up there. Guys, there's angels that we come and we stand in the midst when we worship. There's the church of the firstborn who are already registered in heaven. Francie, Bob's there. He's worshiping, he's registered, he's gone through the line. Ugh. my wife, when she worships, she gets pictures of her father in heaven before the throne worshiping, they have the same name, Bob and Bob. There's two Bobs. I wonder if they've met each other before the throne. Hey, my daughter was at your church. Yeah, I know your daughter. Guys, this is happening. It's real before his throne. They're registered in heaven. The spirits of just men made perfect and we come to who? Jesus, the mediator, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. I skipped it above. And we also come to God, the judge of all, because of the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So let's just go through this list real quick. When we come into worship, number one, I'm just kind of going through the progression. This is how I see it in my mind. Okay. We come to Mount Zion. And maybe like we're standing at the bottom of Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. It says God's city. Those are synonymous with the same things. It said it's 1,400 miles high. So we're standing at the bottom and we're hoping that we've done our leg days because it's going to be a long journey. But wait, it's not because we're ushered by the spirit up to the top of the new Jerusalem to the throne room of God, to the second most holy place to an innumerable company of angels, to the assembly of the firstborn, the church, who are registered in heaven, the spirits have been made perfect, to the throne of grace. Guys, we don't come to the most holy place. We are ushered in before his throne. I believe that room in heaven has space for everyone who believes in the name of Jesus. It's a big room. But guess what? He doesn't want you in the back. He says, come closer. No, 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 come a little closer. No, 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 come a little closer. Come right up front to the throne of grace. And to the God, the judge of all. Now that's scary, and that should be a little scary. But guys, he's already judged in favor of our lives because he judges us through the blood of his son Jesus. To us, it's not scary to come before the judge because that judge on the throne is our Father. And we come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And I love it. It says our, our hearts have been sprinkled and our bodies have been washed. The way I see this, the way I've been picturing this this week is that Jesus is the high priest and he established a new priesthood not of the order of Aaron, under his order. And I was just thinking about the washing, I was thinking about the cleansing. I began to research the cleansing of the priests and what they would do and they would, Moses' tabernacle, you would come in through the first veil to the outer court and the priest would sacrifice for their own sins on the altar. And then they would go to the second basically station and it was the brass basin they had all the women turn in their mirrors that were made of brass shiny brass now women i know that'd be a be a tough thing right <laughs> got to give up your mirror sorry all the women turn in their mirrors and they make this brass washing basin and it's, it's almost like that sea of glass that's before his throne. It's that mirror-like sea that it says in Revelation 4. And the priests wash their hands and they wash their feet. And then they go into the inner court and they begin to minister on behalf of the people. I was just thinking of this. And then I, so I looked at that in Exodus 30 and then I looked in Exodus 40, the first time they ministered before the glory came, before the fire came, And Moses is commanded to wash the priest's feet for the first time. God says, you, Moses, wash their feet. After that, it was their own responsibility. But Moses was the first one to wash their feet before they ministered. So Moses washes their hands, washes their feet, and then they minister to the Lord. And then it hit me. What did Jesus do in John 13 to his disciples? he washed their feet it's one of the only times it's one of the only links in scripture you find for foot washing the priesthood and Jesus washing his disciples' feet and then what does he do right after that he goes and prays the high priestly prayer i think Jesus was establishing a new priesthood he said peter you don't know what i'm doing now but you will and i'm commanding you to wash one another's feet Jesus is bringing in. Now, it's also about serving and also about going low. But how did the disciples wash the feet of those that they encountered? They preached the gospel and they ushered others into this new priesthood by the blood of Jesus. And now there's a vast priesthood before his throne. We are priests before God. We're clean to come before the throne of grace, and that's where we're gonna go. If you want to, you can open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter four. We're just gonna stay there the rest of our time together. Now the Bible is clear that the holy of holies or the most holy place, the, the one that Moses and Solomon built replicas of in the tabernacle and in the temple, that it's the throne room of God in heaven. It's the throne room of God in the New Jerusalem. It is Revelation 4 and 5. And when I was a young man, I was encouraged to memorize chapter, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. And that when I worship and that when I pray, to picture myself in this scene, to put myself on that sea of glass. Because that's really where we are. Now, this is through the Holy Spirit. Jesus gets to be with us here. Lo, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. Went back to my King James. Lo, Lo came out. I don't know how that came out. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us here by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the glory within us, the hope of glory, Jesus Christ. But guys, guess what? We're with him there. Did you know Jesus is somewhere right now as a man with a physical body? And he prayed in John 17, Make them one, Lord, so that they can be with me where I am. Be with me where I am to behold my glory. Guys, Jesus wants us there to behold his glory. Now, the great thing is, it just gets better and better and better because we can behold him here. And then, oh, with fresh eyes, we'll behold him there when we stand before his throne. But the invitation is not to wait. The invitation is not to wait till you die. Behold him now. And I've just had years and years of, of worship and prayer meetings where I've closed my eyes. And it's almost automatic now. Like, Mike was asking, what do you, what do, you do when you worship? And I didn't even think about this the last week when he asked me. Just because it's kind of so ingrained in me now. But when I close my eyes, I love to picture myself before my Father in heaven, before His Son in heaven, and this reality that's going on. You can do this in Revelation 4 and 5. You can do this through Daniel chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 7, Ezekiel chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 6, Zechariah chapter 3 and chapter 4, those are all pictures of the throne room above. When I get bored with Revelation 4 and 5, I go, I'm going to go to Ezekiel 1 and maybe Ezekiel 10, and when I get bored with that, I'm going to go to Daniel 7 when I get bored with that. When I want to, you know what I'm saying, okay. Revelation chapter 1, let's go there. Excited? Excited? We're about to enter into the most holy place. Revelation chapter four, verse one. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. I just love this. Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this, and immediately I was in the spirit. So John is in the spirit. Now this is a vision, something, something he was actually brought up. but whatever it is, John was in the spirit. And I wonder if John is going through his mind, John chapter four. Oh, he's seeking those to worship him in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. <laughs> Of course, that's through the Holy Spirit as well on this side. But God is seeking those to worship Him in the Spirit. And John gets taken up. And he's before the throne. Verse one, verse 2. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, when I think of this, one sitting on the throne when I meditate on him sitting on the throne, we have to know the Father is a real person. Now, he's not like us at all. He's holy. We are like him, but he is not like us, amen? He made us in his image, but he was never made. He's self-sustained. When he spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, go tell him, I am who I am. Go tell him, I is. That's what God is saying. I just am. That's how the four living creatures worship him later on in the chapter. Who was and who is. And who is to come. But he is. No one's giving his life. No no one's giving him life. No one's sustaining him. No one's giving him wisdom. He is life. He is wisdom. He is power. But he has real emotions, he has real feelings, he has real desires, and they're holy. They're not like ours, and they're perfect. I mean, the prophets say it over and over again, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is holy, but when I think of the emotions, when I come before the Lord, I like to think of the emotions that God has. I like to think of his nature and his character. John, let's put up just these, this next slide. John says, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and he knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. In worship, I close my eyes, I put myself before him, and I say, let the love that you are encounter me. Encounter me with your love. There's joy in his presence. How many of you have ever experienced the joy that's in the presence of the Lord? The lightness, the clarity. There's joy in his presence. David says in Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence, face to face, behind the veil, where we are in your presence, there is fullness of joy. I love that he puts the fullness in there. Not just a little joy. This is where joy is made perfect. Joy is made complete. This is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh my gosh, guys. I I don't think we understand the pleasures that we get in his presence forever. Isaiah 62 says, you shall know More be turned forgotten and your land shall no more be turned desolate but you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you. In worship, I try to hold these realities in my heart and I come before the Lord before his throne. I say, let me feel your love. Fill me with joy. And I don't even have to say it. I just have to engage my heart in worship. Guess what begins to Happen, love, joy, delight. He delights in me. Oh, he made a way. He's not not frustrated with me right now. He delights in me. He's longing for me to come higher. Now, this hit my heart like a missile when I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old, and I mostly thought that God was mad at me. I didn't say it. I had the same smile on my face that I have right now. But when I came into his presence, I mostly thought that he was mad at me. But I felt his delight in worship. And it was this strange, like, dichotomy. You know, it's like, I feel his presence. I feel his presence. Oh, but he's mad at me. I feel his presence. Oh, but he's upset with me right now. Until I begin to get renewed my mind began to get renewed in the scriptures he delights in me he has joy when I'm in his presence he has joy for me he loves me he is love love radiates from his being oh my goodness we could go on and on and on but we won't verse 3 and he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone appearance now this Jasper quality that he is it John's saying he looks like a Jasper stone he looks like a sardius stone a verse to bring clarity to this is Revelation 21 it says this and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So when it says jasper stone, I think God is shining with diamond-like crystal light from his throne. It says in Psalm 104, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty who cover yourself with light as a garment. Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. And then Psalm 36, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. We come before his throne, and he's shining in this diamond-like radiance. And this light, when we come into his presence, gives us light. We see with clarity. This light, when we come into when we come into his presence, gives us Joy. Light is equated also in the scriptures with the glory of God. It says the light of God shines from the city and the glory of God resonates from the city. It's his glory shining upon us. And our invitation when he comes before his throne is to have that glory shine upon us. How many of you want that, that glory to shine upon you? All in the temple, that's what they cry, says David. All in the temple cry, glory. Now David's just seeing a picture of it. Isaiah sees a picture of it, holy. John sees a fuller picture of it, holy, worthy. I think Moses saw the picture of it. And we want that glory to touch us. But he's not only glory, he has this, he's a sardius stone as well. And when you put the scriptures together about the sardius stone, I think of Daniel chapter 7. Do I have Daniel chapter 7 up there? I might not. Oh, I do. Praise God. So this Sardius stone, it's, it's, like, it's like fire in appearance, other prophets say. Okay? So he's shining with this light, but he's also burning with this red hue, this fire. Daniel says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient days were seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire and a fiery stream issued and came forth from him. And thousands of thousands ministered to him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And then Moses, so we have Daniel, he's burning with fire. His his throne, it's it's like a fire. And Daniel sees a, a fiery river coming from the throne. And then Moses gives us, this is a, this is Moses, I think recalling, I mean, he says, for our God is a consuming fire, but guys, Moses went to the mountain for 40 days. Moses went to the tent of meeting. This is a true eyewitness testimony, okay? And Moses says, guys, you got to know something. Our God, he's a consuming fire. And then he goes, he's a jealous God. I believe Moses in that place of glory not only saw the fire, but felt the jealous, burning love of God that's radiating from him. God is love. I think Moses would say, God's a very jealous love. And when I put myself before the throne, I say, Lord, let your light shine upon me. And let your jealousy consume me. I want to be jealous for the things that you are jealous for. I want to love the things you love. I want to hate the things you hate. And I want that fire that is issuing from your throne to burn away anything that you don't desire in my life. Burn it away, Lord. That is such a proper prayer. Fire, fall, consume me. Those are holy prayers. We've got to learn to fall in love with the jealous heart of our God. We don't want to run from the jealous heart of our God. We want to turn to the jealous heart of our God and let it wash over us. Guys, Jesus loves you like a jealous husband. Paul says, I betrothed you to one. Now, if you're betrothed to Jesus, what do you think? Oh, that's powerful. He loves you with jealousy. He loves us with jealousy. Mm. I'm just gonna kind of leave my notes and just talk to you from my heart. I was thinking this week as I was preparing to, to speak, Ray Hughes canceled and I'm like, oh no, I have big shoes to fill when it comes to talking about worship. Ray Hughes, he had to go to the hospital. Uh, He has influenza A, A, and I, I don't know if he's out or not, but Lord, we just pray for Ray Hughes right now, and we just ask you to heal him. We thank you for a father of worship leaders in our nation, and we just ask you to strengthen him, and let his best days be ahead of him, not behind him. Give him revelation, Lord, as he's lying there in Jesus' name. I was thinking about just my own journey came out of a time of prayer on Friday and Rachel and I were driving around doing errands and I was just talking to her about my journey as a man of God and it all boils down to the phrase, I love His presence, I love His presence. I didn't know the Bible, I barely knew the Lord. I was 12 years old, and I remember worshiping and feeling His presence. I didn't know how to explain it, but I knew I was near Him and He was near me. I remember longing for worship services. I remember coming in so expectant. I couldn't wait to sing and to lift my hands and it wasn't because I was a musician. It's because I loved his presence and I wanted to experience him. scripture we ended on last week Hebrews 10 says that because of the blood of Jesus we have been ushered in to the most holy place April it's okay you can just keep the scriptures off the screen I'm just gonna speak from my heart you didn't do anything wrong just then you did everything right Can we just give our sound tech and our our technical team, Josh and April and Sean and everyone who volunteers here to make this happen, we're, we're so appreciative for you. But it says in Hebrews 10, and we ended on this last week, that we have been ushered in to the most holy place. That through the veil of his flesh, We enter in to heavens, to the universe's most sacred space. That's what that means. The most sacred, the most holy, the most glory-filled place created by God was his throne and his throne room. It says we come boldly to a throne of grace. And we can cry out for mercy and we can cry out for help. Says before this throne of grace, there's a fire that issues forth, Daniel tells us. And it fills a sea of glass before it. And that sea of glass in Revelation 15, it says it's mingled with the fire from his throne. And the scriptures say that when we worship, we ascend and we stand and we give glory says we come to an innumerable number of angels in Hebrews 12 we come to the judge of all to Jesus and we stand before him and he receives our love he receives our honor and guess what he gives love and fullness of joy back to his people That light that's shining from him, he's wrapped in garments of light. He has Jasper Sardius light coming from him. It says it's his glory. And it says when we worship, we come and we ascend and we stand before that light and it fills us and it touches us. I used to tell my kids, it's like a light that gets inside of you. I was like, dad can tickle you. And I'd like tickle him and like, ah, they'd be like laughing. I'm like, the light of God is more powerful than that. You behold God face to face. Did you know that? Moses beheld God face to face and spoke to him as a man spoke to a friend. David picks up on that language and says, God, you said to me, seek your face. And David's heart leaps in Psalm 27 and says, your face I will seek. And I was thinking of my life and I didn't know anything of that as a 12-year-old, as a 16-year-old. I didn't. I couldn't put any language to it, but I was entering into the most holy place and I was worshiping at his throne room and I was feeling the fire of his love for my life and the jealousy of his love over my life. And I was feeling fullness of joy and I was feeling glory and I fell in love with his presence. and then I was like oh I'm a worship guy I'm not a prayer guy I, I'm not a bible guy but I'm a worship guy I feel God and I feel his presence and worship and then I go to a prayer meeting at 16 years old mom drag your kids to prayer meetings it'll change them make them come say I don't care you're coming to the prayer meeting God will get their attention. I felt his presence in prayer. And I was like, oh, it's the same presence. I'm near him. He's near me. And then I fell in love with prayer. Why? Because it's his presence. Because I was drawing near to him in intercession. Drawing near to him in asking for him. David says this. He goes, I want one thing. Mike referenced it. I want to come before you and I want to behold you and I want to inquire. I want to say things to you. I want to talk to you. David's longing for what Moses had the face-to-face encounter. Guys, we can go there any time we want. If the scriptures are true, and I believe they are, the seven lamps of fire that are before his throne, the Holy Spirit that we were just singing to and of and asking for, the Father on his throne says, you're before my throne, and it's my good pleasure to touch you with the same fire that the saints in the light are being touched with. It's my good pleasure. Now, imagine that statement as Jesus is saying, it's a good pleasure to give, for my Father to give you the Holy Spirit in Luke 11. Ask for it. Those seven flames that were burning, think of them as pillars. Israel got one of those pillars to lead them through the wilderness. Pillar of fire. There are seven of those before the throne. And it's the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And that fire can touch us. And in worship, I love to come and just put myself before that fire and say, oh, Fire of wisdom, come and burn up in me any worldly wisdom. Fire of fear of the Lord, come touch me and burn up any fear of man that would keep me from obeying your will. Fire of counsel, come and touch me and burn away any ungodly counsel. I want your counsel, Holy Spirit. And so I became a lover of his presence in worship and a lover of his presence in prayer. But the Word of God was still a mystery to me. But I loved His presence. And I was gaining a little bit more confidence that, oh, okay. And from 18 to 22, I fell in love with His presence in the Word. I didn't fall in love with the Word of God, though I did, because it's alive. I fell in love with having my heart tenderized before Him. I fell in love with. Seeing him and information, not dead information, living knowledge of God was filling my heart as to who I was coming before in his presence. I was like, Marcus, I'm giving you my presence, but there's so much more. You don't know me. You don't know me. And as passages and phrases and chapters would would and It wasn't through commentaries. It was through looking at the word of God and talking to Jesus about it. Now, I'm not against commentaries. I actually am a commentary guy, but it's not in the information. It's in the relationship. It's in presence. We need to be lovers of his presence, guys. And So I became a worship guy. I became a prayer guy. I became a word guy. And just, you know, this mindset like, but I'm not a prophecy guy and I'm not a faith guy and I'm not a healing guy. That's all hogwash. We, hogwash, that Texas came out. We are lovers of his presence. We want it all, guys. We want it all. We want obedience on, we're, we're missions guys. We're worship guys. We are word people. We are prayer people. Why? Because we are about him and being near him, his presence. Moses is up on the mountain. The Israelites, they make the idol. He's gone too long. They don't know where he's gone. Make us an idol, Aaron. Make us an image that we may worship. They start worshiping the image. God says, I can't be in the camp anymore. I've got to go outside the camp. Moses is in crisis mode. God says, I'm not going to go with you, Moses, any longer unless I consume these people. I'll send an angel. You'll get the promised land. You'll get all my promises. An angel will go with you and lead the way. But I can't go with you. And Moses, with boldness. Hebrews 10, what we ended last week. Boldly come before the Lord, boldly come before his throne of grace, boldly with confidence come into the most holy place through the veil which is his flesh by the blood of Jesus. Moses with boldness if Moses can have boldness we can have a little bit more, right? <laughs> he didn't have the Son of God crucified for him on his behalf. Yet with boldness Moses says "No, no, 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 no. God If your presence does not go with us, do not take us up from here. There was a longing for his presence. He experienced presence on the mountain. It's that same thing you and I get to experience. It's him. It's him. It's his eyes of fire. Moses was giving an eyewitness confession. Our God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And I think Moses was before that living flame and he was feeling that jealous, burning fire of God. And he said, if your presence don't go, doesn't go with us, do not take us up from here. Guys, I feel like the Lord, last week, this week, in these next few weeks, he's given us an invitation again to hunger for his presence. As I was praying, I just had Revelation two, verse four, five, and six hit me so hard. And it's the church of Ephesus and the Lord says, you've done many great things, Ephesus. You're you're staying true. You're, You're battling against false teachers. Ephesus had like a false teacher plague. Paul writes to Timothy twice about it. Be faithful to stand against these false teachers. Be faithful, be faithful. And they were faithful. He saw their work, he saw their toil, he saw their endurance, they didn't give up. But he says, Ephesus, I have one thing against you. And this just touched me for my own life, it touched me for our church, it touched me for the Church of America, it just touched me everywhere, okay? You've left your first love. You've left it, Ephesus. And I love that the Lord doesn't give definition to what that meant. He said, return and do the the first works. Because if he gave us definition, we would start the program and be like, hey, we're a church that doesn't leave our first love, you know, because we do all these things. He says, no, Ephesus, that fire, that love, that passion, that love for my presence that's how the context I was putting in it for myself. Don't leave this place. I feel like that's what it means to be childlike before the Lord. We stay doing the works we did at first. We stay hungry. Have you, have you ever gone to a prayer meeting or you've been in a prayer meeting and you were so expectant that God was going to break in? How many of you guys ever you have ever felt that? Jesus tells Ephesus remember that remember that and come back to that place ask me to take you back to that place of loving presence of loving Jesus in all things tells Ephesus all you got to do is remember and then you got to say I'm sorry (laughs) it's the remember the former days remember the love that was once in your heart for the word, for prayer, for worship. Remember that one worship service where you got lost in his presence and you actually didn't do this. Or this. There's a clock right there. Now, we have schedules. We have time. I I have seven children. I have the list of, my wife has the list of things. (laughs) And she tells me what, what I'm going and what I'm doing. But wouldn't it be great to have a heart that's always going, oh, I wish this wouldn't end. And I think we can have that. that, Now, we don't feel it. Sometimes there's obedience, and I, I get that. But guys, my prayer for us in this season is that the Lord establishes, for some of us, restores. Some of us need a little restoration of a love for His presence. I want this to be a church marked by a people that love his presence in all things. We go downtown. We love his presence downtown. We are in a worship service. We're hungry and we're loving. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to feel you draw near to me. I'm before your throne. Fire, glory, holy, worthy, singing it all. So that's just where I wanna wanna go back into worship. Can we do that? Can we just end? I mean, we we only have about 10 more minutes. Let's just love him in his presence. And I wanna ask you to do this. Ask the Lord where in your life that you've left a love for his presence. The Lord says, Ephesus, you left your first love you abandoned it, it said in Ephesus. I mean, it says in the ESV, that's strong language. But what I take from that is the Lord hasn't abandoned us. He's there long and going, I'm right here, but you abandoned this place of first love for me, for my presence. All you gotta do is come back and turn back to him. Now the crazy thing is, what we get, we get to turn to the Lord that throne, and we get to behold the Father and the Son. We've been washed, we've been cleaned, we get taken past the inner courts, past the, into the Holy of Holies. One man got to experience that one time a year. One man got to experience that outside the, the tent. Moses got that face to face, this man talked to a friend. Every one of us can have it. He says, I share and pour out loving kindness to thousands. You know what that means? To multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. I want to give face-to-face encounters.